Welcome to Coffee, Culture, and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we have some great things to talk to you all about. Um, We are going to be sharing, stick through to the end so you can just hear some hope and why we need to fight here in California. But before we get to the hopeful part, we're going to be talking about porn in public schools because yes, that is happening. We are going to be talking about whether schools should keep secrets from parents about their children's gender identity, as well as uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of news of what's been going on here in California, specifically in San Francisco in regards to President Newsom and his little special visitor. So we will get to all of that. But before we start, Greg, what kind of coffee are you drinking today? I'm being boring here, just uh, decaf with Truvia and a little cream. And I spent six bucks on a little half a pint. Um, <laughs> of yeah, the cream? Yes, yeah, sometimes you have to buy cream. Uh, I want to buy it so it lasts more than a couple weeks, otherwise it goes bad. So mm-hmm. I had to buy the organic kind, which mm-hmm. will take me to the mid-December. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the organic one's healthier, though, for you. So there you go. I guess. Yeah. Yes. That's very good. All right. Well, I'm drinking a cold brew with almond milk and sugar-free vanilla. So one of my usuals. All right. Well, now that we've got the coffee situation settled, porn, it's happening in public schools. I know. You know, we've talked about this before. Um, And you think, oh, that's such an exaggeration. Those crazy Christians, they just have their standards are just too ridiculous, right? No, folks, um, the books that are being introduced in your school libraries, um, and it's happening all over the country, are really are graphically sexual, pornographic, um, rape and incest and sodomy and the whole gamut of graphic sexual material is being put into schools and parents have, you know, we've all maybe seen videos of parents going to school board meetings and reading these books trying to embarrass the school board members into some kind of uh way to keep these graphic materials from kids i mean they do it with movies right you can't they don't show rated r and rated x movies to kids you actually have to get permission from parents to even show a rated r movie to a high schooler Yet they're putting rated R, rated X uh, information books into school libraries. And of course, if you object, they call you a book banner. (gasps) How could you how could you ban books? Right. And especially a lot of these books, not all of them, um, but some of the books are can be labeled LGBTQ. Right. So they have some themes about uh queer sexual relationships or uh same-sex attraction you know female male sexual relationships and and so because of that they think that those books have a pass on sexual material and they don't there's there's nothing in california law that mandates these schools can't be taken out of the purview of elementary high school junior high uh schools right I mean, you expect your your schools to actually do that. You you want an adult to be in charge, right? I mean, you don't give kids free reign on the internet to watch pornography at school. So why in the library? So anyway, uh, 
<laughs> there's this group called, um, and I'm sure you guys have heard of them. Uh, well, maybe you haven't. Capital Resource Institute, uh, Karen England. Um, we have known her. We work with her for years, and she specializes in fighting porn being put in schools. And she's got a website where she kind of she details here, even here in California, 24 districts. She has up on her website detailing how those districts have pornographic books. She actually shows the you the titles and the pictures in the books, and so you can see it for yourself. Um, anyway, she put together a policy that school boards can implement. Because what's happening is many school boards are saying, well, we're letting the librarians pick the books. Uh, we don't, you know, they're the professionals. But obviously the librarians are not keeping the porn out of the, out of the schools. And so this particular policy, she put together a model policy that actually says if um, there is a parent or a teacher can come forward and tell a, uh, tell a principal hey, that if there is a book that has sexually obscene content considered unsuitable for children, that they can bring that to a principal. This is what the policy says. And then that principal kind of confirms, okay, yes, this is sexually explicit. It, go, it will go to the superintendent. The superintendent takes it to the school board and the school board themselves will make the decision within 45 days whether that book is gonna stay or whether that book goes. Um, so you put it in the hands of the elected officials who can, you know, or is going to have to defend in public and they have to have a public hearing about the book staying or the book going. Um, and that's how you do it. You know, if they want to have pornography in schools, then, a, you know, a, a school board member is going to have to defend that book. Like, why is this particular book good for kids? Tell me the literary value of, of them reading about this rape scene, you know, with a father on a daughter right? Ex please explain why children should be reading this. Mm -hmm. and, right? and so, anyway. Yeah. And what you said earlier, I just want to emphasize that I've said it before and I'll say it again. This is not an LGBTQ plus issue. We are not saying, hey, leave all the heterosexual pornography in the schools. Just get rid of the homosexual pornography. No, right. no pornography in the schools. Like none. Heterosexual, homosexual, consensual pornography, rape, incest, none of that. None of that should be in your public schools for children to read. And again, like you said, it's ridiculous. People are calling this a book banning. We're not banning books. You can go get the books at a public library. You can go get the books online. You can go get the books in the store. Pornographic books should not be in public schools. Just the same way that alcohol is not banned. You just cannot drink it under the age of 21. Just the same way tattoos are not banned. You have to be 18 years old to get a tattoo. These things are not banned. There's regulations on them, and it's that simple. Right, and so the first school district to implement this and vote on it, I think it happened last night, actually, um, with the Chino Valley Unified School District in Chino, uh, down in Riverside, San Bernardino, um, down south. And they passed it last night. So great. And this is a school board that's taken on the hard issues. Um, they also, you know, are the first school district to pass our notification policy that we were promoting to make sure that, you know, kids aren't being changing their gender uh, at school without their parents knowing that it's public for everyone except for them and forcing teachers to keep secrets. So they also took that one on. So 
I'm glad to see this happening. Let's let, hopefully more school districts can adopt the same policy that this spreads throughout the state. There's no reason pornography should be allowed in schools. Um, and and this this particular piece of uh, policy will make sure that if it is happening, that you're going to hold the school board accountable. And if you're watching live or you're tuning in later and you're thinking, yeah, crazy that this is happening, but not in my school district, not in my cute little conservative Christian neighborhood or city. I'm willing to bet you it is. Unfortunately, that's just the truth of it. It is everywhere. It is in all these public schools. Um, even the little town I grew up in, a very small, quaint little town full of honestly, mostly conservative Christian people. It is there. It is in those schools and those parents are pushing back right now. So before you say, oh, well, it's not in my, not in my school, go check it out because unfortunately it probably is, but there's ways to fight back. And so um, like Greg mentioned, we wrote an article on this. So visit CaliforniaFamily.org to read more, get the links and get all the information. But unfortunately, um, that's not the only bad thing happening in public schools. So Greg, should California schools keep gender identity secret from parents? Well, according to our attorney general, that answer is yes. Um, even if a kid is changed their gender, we don't, we're talking five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds that have decided that they are not the gender that their body tells them they are, and they want their school to treat them as a different gender. The, the attorney general is arguing that when a kid wants to do that, that parents uh, must be kept in the dark uh, unless the child says, okay, right? And gender transition, I mean, that is a drastic thing in someone's life. And why would a parent not, should a parent not be involved? And so a friend of, of mine, uh, Brenda Lepsack, uh, she used to be a school board member down in Orange, California. She's currently a, a teacher. Um, and she recently wrote an article. It was in two publications, uh, the California Globe and Epoch Times. And she wrote this article about this whole topic. And But she wanted to make a particular point that's not been made before. Because typically when we think, okay, I, uh, sometimes kids think um, they might be trapped in the wrong body. So they might be the opposite sex, like a boy who thinks they're a girl or a or a, a girl who thinks they're a boy. And then, and then they, t then obviously the next step is to take drugs and go to surgeries to make your, your uh, body look like the opposite sex. But she's saying, no, it is far beyond that. She's gone through training. Um, she went through some sexual harassment training that talked about uh, gender identity uh, being male, female, non-binary or other. And she goes, other? Non, but what what does other mean? And so she did a little research, and she found on the California Department of Education's website it it defines non-binary as transgender, intersex, gender neutral. That means no gender at all. Agender. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Gender queer, gender fluid, two spirits, spirits, bi gender. That means two genders at once. Panned gender, that means, I suppose, a plethora of genders. What the heck is gender, uh, gender nonconforming, gender variant, right? And then she also points out the, the suicide hotline that schools are constantly 
putting around schools for kids who are struggling with, you know, feeling suicidal, th those callers uh, also um, tell kids that there are 11 genders to choose from. And, and a gender, a boy man, a boy man, uh, gender fluid, gender queer, girl woman, intersex, non-binary, trans masculine, trans feminine, two spirit, other. It it's like a, a a plethora of unending ways to define yourself, um, and this is all supposed to be kept from your parents, no matter how young the kid is. Well, and it's completely absurd. Um, one of the parts from the article. It says that there's a book that provides many pronouns like I am Z, Zer, they, them, Z, Zer, and her, but the her is like H I R. Um, where are the English teachers at? Because if you're a good English teacher, you're just gonna say that's not proper English. That's not how we speak. So let's get that straight. First of all, you're not even teaching correct English. Second of all, you can literally only be a male or a female. And you can't change that. You can't change what you're born. And that even goes to, I mean, I'm just seeing people nowadays, they're saying, well, what gender were you assigned at birth? What do you mean assigned? Like someone didn't just like, you didn't just come out of your mother's womb and someone's like, oh, we're going to assign you this gender. No, you are born male or female. You're not getting assigned something. That is literally what you are. And Again, it's what you are and who you are made perfectly in God's image with no mistakes. So it's just insane. Uh, right. this is, I mean, this is confusing stuff for adults. If you're an adult and you're reading this, you're like, what do all these different things mean? I'm confused, all that. And this is being taught to children in well, elementary it's, schools. It's your Here's what's happening is kids were confused about what this all means. A kid becomes confused about what it all means. He's trying to assess based on his likes, his dislikes, what gender he is. And then once the kid is convinced that he's some different gender, then that inf then and then he comes out with a new pronoun and a new name that assigns this gender. And then that information is supposed to be kept from parents. I mean, uh, it's just like, it, 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 this is not indoctrination. This is not manipulating the young, the, the vulnerable. Um, I mean, you can get little kids to believe anything. Um, and so parents are there. They're, they're legally, um, the law says that parents have the ultimate authority in a child's life. Um, they have the right to determine how they're brought up, what, they, what their ultimate values are. Um, and that's for their own safety, mm -hmm. right? And and now we're giving that up because of because of some new ideology about gender. Come on, parents, we cannot allow this to happen. Um, there is unfortunately this is just what's happening in the public schools, and we're fighting back and we're pushing back. This is the current state we are in here in California with the public schools, and some parents cannot afford or do not have time to take their children out and homeschool them or to get them into a good private school. Cause you still have to be very careful with private schools and what's going on at those schools as well. But then you think, okay, well, how do I push back? How do I teach my son or my daughter what's right or wrong? You have to talk to them first. And unfortunately that means you might be having these conversations with them when they're now seven or eight years old, because that's when the schools are doing it. The schools are trying to get to you first, but that doesn't mean 
that you need to have it in this like super in-depth level, talk to them about things at the age they're at. Talk to them, explain through animals, explain the difference between a chicken and a hen, do it like that. Um, you know, but your, your children have to hear the truth from you and not just once. It's not going to be a one-time conversation. Hey, you are a girl made perfectly and that's who you're meant to be. And and that's not just going to be a one-time conversation. You have to tell them that stuff almost daily, but don't force it. Don't just put it into natural conversation because they're hearing the opposite stuff five days a week when they're at school. Yeah. Or do your best to get them out. I mean, yeah. uh, kids are vulnerable. Um, and if you, if you, you know, I mean, a lot, and I get it. Homeschooling's hard. Uh, private school's expensive. Um, talk to your pastor. Ask for some alternatives. Churches should be stepping up and providing alternatives mm-hmm. to parents. Um, if you, especially if it, if you have a, a teacher who is who is not respectful of your beliefs and your kids' beliefs, and they're feeling pressure or they're made to look uh, feel bad for having these beliefs about gender, uh, they're supposed to respect kids kids who differ, right? From the, from what the uh, authorities are saying, right? They're, this is not discriminatory. This is an act of love to tell kids the truth. And that's the sad thing is that they're portraying all of this as we're doing this to love kids, right? Um, no, it's not, it's not loving to lie to them. It is not. Um, mm-hmm. And so anyway, so well, I know we've been harping on schools the past couple weeks on this podcast just because there's so much going on, but we had a little visitor to California. President Xi Jinping um, came, and what was the result of him coming to San Francisco, Greg? Well, it, um, it's all in news up here, so maybe it's maybe it's everywhere, but it's just amazing. You know, San Francisco has, over the last decade or so, become the just a poster child for decadence, open drug markets, the proliferation of homeless people living in front of everybody's homes, just letting people live on the street, doing drugs, uh, robbing people, um, committing crimes, uh, and, and happening over and over. And no one is held accountable. No one is required. Hey, you know, Uh, I know you're struggling here, but you can't live on the street. Here's some opportunity to go to get services. And if you don't, you know, you're required. And this, the the whole city has not been doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, surprise, they're actually pay people who are to come to San Francisco. They give you money if you're homeless, right? And as long as you're homeless, they'll give you some cash. Well, what do you think is going to happen? People from around the country are going to San Francisco so they could be professional homeless folks. Now, of course, most of these folks are struggling with mental health issues or drug addiction, um, but it's just been a mess. And all of a sudden, we got this Chinese dictator comes to town, and voila, they start cleaning up the streets. And so I just want to read you uh, what uh, our... Assembly Minority Leader uh, said on Twitter, his name is James Gallagher, and here's how, <laughs> here's, here's what he said in, in light of all this cleaning up. He says, why do they roll out the red carpet for China 
but can't bother to clean up and remove encampments for their own citizens. This is a slap in the face. Gavin and San Francisco Democrats should be ashamed of themselves. So, sorry, but that's it's true. And he actually admits it. Yeah, it's just like cleaning up your house when you have visitors. So we're we're finally cleaning up. We're going to clean up the house for the visitors, but it doesn't matter. It's squalor and awful just for the citizens most of the time. There's literally a human feces app for San Francisco where you can download it and you can look at your phone and see where there is human feces on the floor to avoid it. And when you open it up, you can't even see the map because it's covered in all the dots of all the human feces. Like that's how disgusting the streets of San Francisco are. And like, if he wants to use this thing, oh, when a visitor comes, you clean up a little bit. I mean, I, I get that. When you have people over, you deep clean your house a little bit more. Make sure the pillows look a little nicer on the couch. But do you live in trash 99% of the time? No, you are always sweeping. You're always cleaning. You're always making sure you might put a little extra effort in. Like if they were to say, hey, the dictator from China is coming, so we put some new flowers in. Okay, I get that. Throw your new flowers in. But it's like, no, we actually, for the first time, removed homeless people off the street, repainted buildings, cleaned the human feces off the floors. Like, that's a whole different level. It should never get to that point. But then this proves that they actually have a way to clean it up. And they're choosing not to for the people that live in it every single day. Yeah, well, ho hopefully this will... Uh... This will convince the, uh, the the citizens of San Francisco who've been hearing excuses after excuses of why their city is such a mess that it's has it's 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 the will of the of the powers that be that's the problem. They don't want to do it, right? It's not that they cannot do it. They didn't. They don't want to do it, and I don't understand why. But um, anyway, yes. Well. I mentioned we would end the podcast episode with some hope. So there was a phenomenal video Greg saw of Allie Beth Stuckey. Um, if you're not familiar with her, she's a podcaster, YouTuber. She actually spoke at our gala in Sacramento in March and at our March for Life. She's phenomenal. She sat down with Kurt Cameron, who is also phenomenal, you know, childhood actor when he was younger and now is just speaking the truth of Jesus and trying to protect children. So let's dive in and watch that clip of them. From Lord it. of the Rings. You can do it. He says this after great evil has come upon them. He said, other evils there are that shall come. For even Sauron himself is a servant or an emissary. Yet it is not our task to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us. For the help of those years wherein we have been set, uprooting the evil in the fields we know, so that those who live after us will have clean earth to till. And what weather they shall have is not ours to rule. That puts into perspective and frames for me my task. I can't stop the World Economic Forum from doing what they're doing. Right. I can't stop big food, big pharma, big books like Scholastic. I can't. I'm a guy. I'm one, I'm one man. But I can do everything in my power while I have breath on this earth for the help of this generation and uproot some evil in the field I know mm. through the media. And I can plant some seeds of goodness and truth and beauty. That's what we're doing right now. So that those who live after us, that's our kids and grandkids, will have cleaner earth to till and build mm. on. They can build worlds that may only be possible because of us pulling up some rocks of, 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 of garbage and, and evil 
and they'll be prepared for the weather that God sends their way politically, economically, morally, and spiritually. Why? Because they grew up with moms like you and dads like your husband, and they're reading good books, and they're benefiting from the faithfulness of people who didn't sit on the couch and rust out, but kicked it into gear and said, let's do everything we that's a great clip. Just super inspiring. Um, I mean, he makes a phenomenal point of like, you need to do this now for your children. And I know for myself personally, um, I mean, I don't have any children. I'm not married. And so quite often I feel like I find people ask me the question, like, why are you speaking at school boards? Why are you talking about this stuff? Why are you standing up against it? Like you don't even have children. Or I go to these things that people that are fighting alongside me sometimes are like, you don't have any children and you're here. Well, I hope to have children one day and it's going to be a lot harder to fight these things when I'm dealing with a one-year-old, two-year-old, or three-year-old at home. I have the time to fight now. And so I don't need to have children yet to start fighting for them in their future. And if I don't start fighting now, it's going to be a lot harder to fight 10 years from now to be fighting for them once they're already here. And so I just, for me, I find that just really inspiring and reassuring that we need to do this because we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when we're going to get to finally all be in heaven. And so, I mean, I might never have children here. I Jesus might come back before that, or I might have grandchild and great grandchild. So we need to fight for them. But that was just really inspiring for me to hear. No, I mean, I, if any of you out there are Lord of the Rings fans, like my son is, and um, and so I've watched all the movies with him. You know, he's read all the books over and over. He's super into it. All right, and and what was inspiring about that is the Lord of the Rings is about this small group of brave individuals, not particularly powerful, um, but they they found themselves in a society where evil was starting to swallow swallow their uh, their homes and their their cultures and their countries. And they said, uh, why is it me that has to fight this? Why isn't somebody else? And you know, um, uh, they but in the midst of being outnumbered, they decide, you know what, this this has come to me. I need to do what I can. Right. Um, and I find that so much. This is an attitude of living in California. People have this attitude. Oh, what? Or even in the work we do here at the California Family Council, it's just like, oh, you know, what do you expect to accomplish? You, you know, you're so outnumbered. Everybody's against you. Right. Um, but this is where God has planted us. This is where I was born. Right. God, God put me here. And, and for what? Right. Uh and, and just Gandalf is the guy who's, who made this quote. And he was just saying, you know what? I don't worry about all the evil in the world. I'm just going to say, hey, what evils do I see in front of me that I personally can have an impact on? You know, um, where, how can I plant seeds of goodness? How can I plant seeds of truth and beauty just right in the places of influence that I have? That's your calling. That's, that's your calling. And, um, yeah, ex exactly. Right. And, and, and be the kind of parents that your kids see standing up for goodness and fighting against things that are harmful and evil. Right. Because they're going to, they're going to have to endure the same things 
their own trials in the years to come. And what are they, they're going to look to you as an example. And what did, what did you do? Did you just sit on the couch, moan about the evil in the world and do nothing? Or did you stand up uh, and, and combat the evils confronting your neighborhood? Um, did you plant seeds of goodness and, you know, truth? Were you standing up for truth? The beauty of the family, the beauty of God and Jesus and the, his salvation, right? That, that, is our, that is our charge. And stop moaning and complaining that it's too dark. Right. Um, well, you said it perfectly, Greg. Um, we're here now. And I think that just is such emphasis on Esther 414. Um, we're here for such a time as this. And God didn't make a mistake that you're here now and not 50 years from now or 100 years ago. You're here now for such a time as this. And so use that time, use that time to make a difference and to stand up against what's going on. And Greg, like you said, working um, in what we do at California Family Council, it is easy for people to say like, well, is what you're doing even making a difference? How do you keep fighting all this? They just keep coming at you with harder bills. Think about how easy it would be for them to get away with all this stuff if there wasn't someone up at the Capitol tracking all the legislation and letting people know what was happening and people making phone calls. I mean, we even have people at the Capitol in office that claim to be Christian and don't always vote Christian. And I really sometimes think the only reason they still vote based off of Christian values is because they know we're watching them and we're telling the community what's going on. And so it is making a difference. And I think what we do to stand up for what's right we can't just do it to expect to see a result. There's so many things coming from what you do when you stand up for what's right that you'll never see. And okay. one day God might say, hey, here you go. This is what resulted from that. Well done, good and faithful servant. But I mean, you just have to keep fighting. You can't give up and you have to stay to what's true. And no matter how hard it gets, I mean, um, I was actually having a conversation with a friend earlier today and she was just saying that, you know, I think it's easy for people just to bash on Christians because they're just going against everything that everyone else in the world does. And I said, yeah, absolutely we are because this isn't our home. Heaven, that's our eternal home and we need to bring heaven to earth and we need to bring the truth of God to earth. So it makes sense that we don't fit in. So don't try to fit in. Stay Stay fine, stay for what's right. And just something I have to remind myself daily is if they hated you, it's because they hated him first. So push through, stand for what's right. And I look forward to that day. I mean, I think as Christians, we should desire to, when we get to heaven, just to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I hope that's encouraging to stay fighting for what's right in California. No, it inspires me. It's just like, okay, because it is, you can get overwhelmed with, you know, when you got the attorney general suing you and the, the powers that be telling you that you're, you're bad and you're evil, you think, gosh, I'm moving to Texas. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, this is what happened to the apostles, right? Mm -hmm. this happened with, and, and you think about anybody who ever made change in society for the good, they always had opposition. Um, so be faithful, stay in the word. Stay true, speak the truth, and uh, with confidence, trust the Lord and ask him to use you. Um, and then leave the results to him. Yeah. Um, and then I just want to share a quick little story. It's a personal story, but I hope it can maybe just 
offer some insight or inspiration or hope to people. Um, don't be afraid to be the only person in the room that speaks the truth or speaks based off of biblical truths. Um, even if you don't know if everyone in the room is going to agree with you or not, um, something that still keeps just a story of my own that kind of gets me get going through the hard times and talking about this crazy stuff. When I was a freshman in college, I was um, in one of my college classes. It was just a bunch of freshmen that were in the class. It was like an intro to college class. And they were trying to teach us how to think critically. So the professor just kind of was like, okay, how do you think critically about this? And how do you think critically? They weren't forcing us what to think, but just how to think. Um, and so they said the word that no one ever wants to talk about in class. They said abortion. And I sat there and I thought, okay, I, I've actually studied up a lot on what abortion is and the stats and all this stuff. Do I say something? Do I not say anything? And, you know, when the professor says abortion to a room full of college freshmen, everyone kind of goes silent. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? Like people who know me and like know me personally, know my heart, know where I am on things have chosen to not be in my life anymore because of the stance I've taken for life. So why do I care what all these freshman students think of me? Which is really hard. You're a freshman in college. You want to make friends. You want to get people to like you and all these things. Um, so I just kind of raised my hand and I said, well, you know, this is why abortion is wrong. And I just put out, I talked about different laws. I talked about different stats. I talked about the fact that if um, you shoot and kill a pregnant woman, you're charged with two. You're charged with murdering two people because of the child in the womb. So how is that murder and abortion isn't? So kind of just went down those facts. And then I stopped talking. And there's about like 20 minutes left of class. I'm so scared. I stopped talking and the room went silent. And I was like, oh, gosh, everyone's going to be like, stay away from that girl. I'm, I'm going to have to transfer schools, all this stuff. The room goes silent. All the kids around me start clapping. I literally almost burst into tears and the professor goes, that is how you think critically class dismissed. And so we all got to get out like 20 minutes early and I was like, and then we're walking out of class and someone was like, thank you so much for saying this. And I didn't know that, but that's such a good point. All these things. And I'm like trying not to cry. I thought I was going to like have to transfer schools, but don't be afraid to be the only person in the room to speak up and say something, especially if you're informed in it, because you don't know everyone else in that room might agree with you and they might be like, oh my gosh, that's such a good point and learn from you. Or they might not necessarily fully agree with you or they agree with you and they're too scared to say anything. And they get, you know, we embolden each other. We kind of light a fire in each other. Be the first person to say something and watch everyone else follow along. But that just, again, a little personal story I wanted to share just because I think we need to not be afraid to be the first person to say something and encourage others to do it. So, yeah. Well, good for you. That's a rare story, probably. But I mean, you did go to a Christian school, but yeah. even a Christian school these days, you know, not not everybody comes into Christian schools with Christian beliefs, especially on abortion. Um, but that's great. Yeah. So keep encouraging each other. And California Family Council has been encouraging people for 20 years. And we're celebrating our 20th year anniversary with a gala in Orange County. So that is actually coming up. It's in 13 days on November 30th. Um, it's in Costa Mesa. We'll have Riley Gaines as our keynote speaker. But the last day to get your tickets is not this coming Monday, but the following Monday. So the Monday before the 30th. 
So go get your tickets at californiafamily.org and celebrate standing up for biblical values with us. Sounds good. All right. We will see you all next time. All right. See ya.